You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. If you're an individual or a small business person and you're having trouble with a large corporation or government, write to me. I'll try to solve your problem and I'll run it all on City Pulse at 6. I'll help because I'm Silverman. Write to Silverman Care of City TV. Welcome once again to 32 Thoughts, The Interviews. We're going to share some of the interviews that we had during the NHL, NHLPA media tour with three players specifically. Uh, you'll hear from Tim Stutzla of the Ottawa Senators, Anders Lee of the New York Islanders, and Seth Jones here in a couple of moments of the Chicago Blackhawks. Let's go through uh, each of these players and get a couple of comments from you on them. Tim Stutzla, who I cannot even think about without hearkening back to his draft and Alex Trebek. But as you've pointed out, Ottawa knows there's a big payday on the horizon for him. He's a high-level player, supremely skilled, part of an elite group of, of German hockey players making their way to the NHL. Your thoughts on Tim Stutzla? I'm really excited about Stutzla as a player. I think he's going to have a big year. I, you know, I, I like him. I like Norris. I like Kachuk, assuming they all get that sorted out. I like Shabbat. I really do think if Ottawa was picking second last year, they'd probably take Stutzla anyway, and, and Byfield goes to the Kings. I know they love the player, and I enjoy talking to him. I, you know, it's this thing with COVID, Jeff. There's a, a young group of players I've never really had a chance to meet or talk to, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy this conversation. He's got a real presence to him. There's no question. He's got a... A good little fun but serious presence. And one thing one of the Ottawa players did tell me is that he's one of those guys who likes and watches hockey. And I, and I think that is a – I think that's a very big thing. I always remember Gretzky, like Kelly Rudy talking about Gretzky, who are our next five games against and things like that because he thought if you were really curious about hockey – you had a better chance of being great at it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Stutzla kind of has that gene in him is a good omen for the Senators. Pat Kane's that way too, from people that I've talked to. He's he's that guy. And I, what I really liked in this interview, and I'm glad we got there with him, was talking about playing internationally for Germany. There's plenty of the conversation about playing for the Ottawa Senators, playing in the NHL, but hearing Stutzla talk about playing for his country, I'm glad we were able to, to get that in there and get him to comment on it. Anders Lee, Man, I felt bad for him last year. And, you know, he's one of those players that, you know, you wonder what happens against Tampa if Anders Lee is in the lineup. It must have been torture for him not to be able to play down the stretch in the playoffs. Give us your thoughts on on Anders Lee, who is a physical specimen, we should point out, Elliot. 
I agree with you about feeling bad. Like he talks in the interview about how hard it was for the Islanders to lose that series to Tampa. And you can only imagine what he's thinking watching a one nothing game seven. Yeah. You know, like you're sitting there on the sideline and we talk about how close he did or didn't come to play. I don't want to ruin that. But you're sitting there in that game and you're dying to help. Like that game, Tampa dominated. They were the better team. They played a great game. But in a one nothing game, a guy who can score from right around the crease, you're thinking, oh, I could have done something with that. Or maybe if I'm there, we can do that. It's such the slim margin. And if you saw him score in his first exhibition game mm-hmm. on Tuesday night, it was a typical Anders Lee goal right on the doorstep. And that would be a thing if I was playing at that level and you're in game seven, you lose one nothing, and I know that the role I have could make a difference, that would just eat me alive. I wouldn't be able to get rid of that gross taste in my mouth for months. It's a good conversation. Uh, real thoughtful guy. You'll hear from Anders Lee here in a couple of moments of the New York Islanders. Uh, we're going to kick it off, though, with Seth Jones, one of and maybe the headline maker in the offseason. He reset the bar Elliot for uh, defenseman compensation in the NHL. And right away, you think of the contract and the negotiations that Darnell Nurse was having with Edmonton. And when the Seth Jones deal happened, all of a sudden, things changed for Darnell Nurse and things changed for a lot of players, even his old, you know, running mate in Columbus, Zach Wierenski. Give us your thoughts on Seth Jones of the Blackhawks. You know, we talk about the Kachuks and how they're a sports business smart family because of you know all of the connections that they have through hockey and the sport. Well, the Jones family is like that too. Of course, uh, Seth and Caleb's dad played in the NBA. They're very aware of how the business works. I remember a conversation years ago when he was still in Nashville. It was another one of the media days. It was one of the first ones back in New Jersey. And he's talking about a, a contract dispute in the league with someone else. And he kind of said he didn't think that player really had it in them to let it last too long. And, you know, I th- I said, okay. And the other person in that conversation later said to me, that was Seth Jones' way of saying that he knows how to use leverage and he's not afraid to use it. Mm-hmm. I was always remembered that. I, I think when you understand how the business works at an earlier age, You have a better comfort level with what you have to do sometimes and what you have to give up sometimes. And I think the thing about Seth Jones is it's a big contract, but I don't think he's going to be bothered by the expectations to live up to that contract. I think think he's a very smart guy. I think he's very secure in his own skin. And I just think he understands everything that goes with being a pro. And that's why I believe, you know, whether or not, he lives up to the contract. I think it's a question about, are you beaten before you even start, Jeff? Are you so consumed by it at the beginning that you're in trouble? And and I don't see that as being a problem with him. Looked forward to this conversation and it delivered. We'll kick it off with Seth Jones, followed by Anders Lee of the Islanders, Tim Stutzla of the Ottawa Senators. In the meantime, we present from the NHL-NHL Players Tour, Seth Jones of the Chicago Blackhawks on 32 Thoughts, the podcast.
Elliot, we are pleased to be joined by Seth Jones of the Chicago Blackhawks. And, uh, well, we have a lot to talk to you about. Uh, this has been a really, really busy and interesting offseason for you uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, but let's start with the Chicago Blackhawks and why you think this will be the right fit for you. I think they know how to win here. Uh, I want to go to an organization that's done it before and we still have some good pieces. You know, we brought in Flurry, we brought in Tyler Johnson, which is a great depth piece for us. You know, you still have Kane and, and Taze and Debrinkat is, is still young and upcoming and um, we still you do have some young guys, you know, Kirby mm-hmm. Doc and a lot of these guys still we still need to develop, yeah. myself included. But I think it puts us in a good spot. You've played against Chicago a lot in your career. What would they like to play against? Chicago was always tough to play against, um, especially, um, you know, Kane and Debrinka. It was, you know, Kane and Panarin, and yep. then it was, and then Panarin came to Columbus, and then um, <laughs> it was Kane and Debrinka, and, and, you know, that duo by itself, even, you know, the last couple of years, seemed to be just so hard to handle, so hard to deal with. And, um, uh, you know, they think it'd beat Edmonton in the bubble and that playing round. So, you know, with Taze coming back, it should be pretty exciting for us. Uh, and then on the back end, we got McCabe too. Mm-hmm. So I think our the decor would be good as well this year. Let's go back to the end of last season. Where did you think you were going to be playing this year? Like we're talking about last game? Yeah, like like the, like the, okay. the game ends. and You know what? I'm not sure. Uh, I hadn't even made up my mind then, to be honest, of what I wanted to do. I was just so focused on just, you know, it was kind of a bad year for, for everyone there in Columbus. And uh, we didn't get much accomplished uh, as a team and as an organization. And, you know, it took me two, three weeks after the year to really reflect on what I wanted to do really for the rest of my career. So right after the season, I had no no idea. Okay, so let's go. And the news gets out that, you know, you're going to test the market eventually. Did you think you'd be signing somewhere for a long time? Or did you think it was going to be a one-year thing somewhere and then figure it out? Uh, it depended. There were a few teams involved in that process. There were teams that would have been a one-year thing, and I knew that. Uh, if they made that trade, everyone knew it was a one-year thing. And if you know, I went to other teams, it would have been an extension thing right away. Um, so with the teams, with the extension, the numbers were obviously talked about before of what the ballpark range would be if the trade did happen. And I didn't come to Chicago. All right, you know I'm not going to let this go. What were the one-year teams? I'm dying to I'm Stop. dying to know. Okay, don't what, even try it. Does yeah. it rhyme with Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the region. <laughs> well, you, you know, because the, the thing is, I'm Seth. One of the things I've always been really interested in you about your not only your career, but as someone who comes from a family that understands pro sports you probably more than a lot of other guys have understood your worth and how the business works. Mm-hmm. And you've never been afraid like to say, I understand how the business works and I'm going to use it to my advantage as much as I can. So I was really curious, like, what was important to you in this process? Was it a one-year thing? Was it a long-term thing? Um, I was okay with either one, to be honest. And uh, at the end of the day, it just didn't work um, this summer for that. You know, I've talked to many people um, this summer about my situation and going back and forth on a lot of things. And I think, but at the end of the day, in my heart, I wanted to be somewhere that I was going to be the rest of my career, you know, not go to a team and then go to another team after. So you, know, you never know what happens in that one year time span, especially uh, there's not a lot of security there, things like that. So, but I, I do think in that, with that one team, it could have been the one year. I think that they would have had a great chance to win it. 
So uh, no more family split loyalties with NHL teams. Everyone in the no. family is a Chicago Blackhawks fan right now. Are you more excited to play with Caleb, or is he more excited to play with you? <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's mutual. Um, we haven't even played against each other, believe it or not. The past four years, mm-hmm. you know, I've been hurt, or he was sent to Bakersfield, or something happened. Really, in Edmonton. I never realized that. So we never have. I think it's been like seven or eight opportunities, and always missed. Hey, always missed it somehow. Wow. I didn't realize um, that. Wow. Yeah, uh, but now we're playing with each other. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. I'm going to try to push him as much as I can, of course, but I'm excited for him. I'm excited that he's going to get opportunity, and, and I'm really happy for him. I got to think at the very least, if the puck gets dumped in, Caleb has to go back and get uh, it. Yeah, yeah. You take the hit, I'll get the puck, I'll skate it. Exactly. Slide it over exactly. to me, and I'll skate it up to It'll take five hits, I'll take one, just because. I think Jeff was actually the first person who brought up the possibility of if Duncan Keith was traded to Edmonton, Caleb could be in the deal. Mm -hmm. How much before it actually did happen did you guys kind of realize that this could happen? We had no idea. Um, We were sitting at home, uh, and then he got a call, and that was, but I think it was in the works with, you know, my agent was, I think, was working with Edmonton. Yes. Our agent was, and... Mm -hmm. They were trying to make something happen, but we had no idea it had Duncan Keith or Chicago involved. So Caleb's there, and now you get traded. Mm -hmm. What's that moment like for your family when you realize you're all going to be together? Crazy, actually. We were all at dinner uh, in Dallas. We were out to dinner. Then then my phone starts blowing up because got people from Chicago calling me. And so we're all sitting at dinner. And then the next day, we were flying here. Uh, Then we went to do the first pitch at Wrigley. Uh, did the river interviews and all that fun stuff toward this facility here. Um, so it happened quick, and then we flew out the next day. But it was, I think my mom loved it. I mean, yeah. she doesn't have to watch two sets of games anymore on different time <laughs> zones and travel to two different places. So she's got everything she needs here. So I'm curious, how many pending free agent defensemen have texted you to say thank you and where do I send the Christmas card? <laughs> Um, zero, <laughs> zero. Um, I guess that's just where the market's moving right now, right? Essentially, we had um, we spoke to Darnell Nurse on Monday, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the nature of his deal, and then he very wryly just said, "Yeah, you know what?" But about halfway into the negotiations, things just changed, and the defenseman market, and this was led by you, mm-hmm. changed like profoundly this summer. I didn't talk to Darnell about that, but I'm sure. Um, you know, even Rensky, I'm sure. Um, oh, yes. Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton. Makar signed that nice one. But, I mean, everyone's in a different stage in their career, too. Right. So, I mean, Makar signed in a six-year, you know, same with Rensky. I'm sure, you know, maybe Rensky could have got more if he went eight. Who knows? But, you know, I guess it's market. And you're, I'm sure, you know, Nate McKinnon's up in, what, a year? So, you're going to see these numbers go even higher for, you know, special Hart Trophy, Art Ross guys like that but it goes back to what i was saying before though again seth is i I think you've always understood the business and someone's once said to me about you is that it would be meaningful to you if you knew that you move the bar up for other people Mm -hmm. and it's a cap system so there's only a but you did move the needle for other defensemen Mm -hmm. i remember years ago someone told me that you would like that to be part of your legacy that you allowed some people to make more money yeah, I mean, I think we put our heart and soul into this game. You know, it's a year-round game, you know, as players play now. You take maybe three weeks off of the season, and then you're training, skating again. It's everything I do in my life is for hockey. You know, I know the Cavs system, it's obviously 
the numbers get crunched a bit, and that's what a cap system's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, hopefully, in these next, you know, COVID obviously took a, a hit on where the cap should be probably right now, and and you know that two whatever two seven five two percent growth every year. But I think in the next five years, you're going to see it really take off. Um, hopefully, so good talks with my agent through that whole process, and you know where I wanted to be uh, with my AAV, and we got it done. Who was the first player from the Hawks that texted you? I think it was Kaner. I think Kaner texted me, and Strom texted me, Taze called me. Um, yeah, he, he's not a texter. He's a phoner, I bet Taze? Yeah. Yeah, he called me. He <laughs> called me. Uh, we talked for like, I don't know, five, ten minutes. But yeah, quite a few guys to bring out text me, actually, yeah. too. So. You know, we were talking with the Jack Hughes, and he was talking about getting to play with Luke. And he said, you don't get that. And one of the things we're always starting to see more, Seth, is player empowerment of, I want to play with this person or I want to play with that person. And, you know, you and Caleb now get to play. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see more of this? Are we going to see more of players? Like brothers or just Not players? Just like players, friends? No, just athletes like, and like, like, hockey players in general. Like I know what you're going NBA, after. it happens yeah. all the time. I was going to say, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Like friends, brothers, like guys who want to play with each mm-hmm. other. Are we going to see more of it? Maybe. Maybe in the future, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll do it. Um, but uh, wait, it's like who's coming? Who are you yeah, bringing to yeah. Chicago? Who are you bringing <laughs> to Chicago? You guys Who much. are your good friends in the league? Um, like you said, in the NBA, those guys like just want to play with friends, and then they'll like request a trade or something to go play with yeah. that guy or in mm-hmm. that city. Um, I feel like they have a lot of power in that league. I mean, you look at the salaries; it's a little bit different. Um, their top salaries ours. I think you're going to see it a little more. Maybe not so much in the light though. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, there won't be guys, you know, coming out with a text message receipt, like saying, I want to play with this guy and this and that. Maybe it's more behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're more, you know, calling each other, texting each other and saying, you know, you should come sign with us. We got a chance to do something special, something like that, you know. Right. Last year, there were, and I'm sure you heard them all, a lot of theories, some of them crazy, uh, about what happened with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we heard a ton of different things. What happened with Columbus last year? What happened with that team? With, with what? Well, it wasn't exactly the best of all possible seasons. It was not. For Columbus. That's a and fact. Like, we, yeah. like, even things like, oh, you know, the U.S. election split the room down the middle. And like there was like all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. That's what you guys heard, actually? That was yes. one of the things. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things that we heard. Yes. Yes, it was out there. Uh, wow. What happened last year in Columbus? It wasn't that. I can tell you that for free. <laughs> um, I, I don't... I don't think anything happened. It just it was just a bad year. Um, um, we, we nothing clicked. I felt like mm-hmm. I just think that our lines didn't click. It just seemed like no one can get on the same page with the style we wanted to play. It kind of started with Dubois. The season of drama, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, started with the Dubois trade, uh, and I don't think that was supposed to happen till the end of the year, from what I was from what I was hearing and that happened and you know once that happens it's kind of tough to to bring it back so we had new guys come in mm-hmm. it just didn't seem to work and Torres did his best and at the end of the day you know when you're th- that far out of it halfway through the year or three quarters through the year you start playing a lot more younger guys seeing kind of what the organization has and, right. and it just felt like it was time for everyone to kind of go towards you know thought that as well what was your relationship like with Tortorella it was great me and Torres had a great relationship um, I, you know, I sat down, had lunch with him after the season. You know, we talked for about an hour, hour and a half, and good solid conversations with him. Thanks. Seth, thanks so much for this. Uh, no best problem. of luck this year with the Hawks.
Anders Lee of the Islanders joins us. And uh, before we start to talk about hockey, and thanks so much for stopping by today, I know you're a dog guy. I'm a dog guy too. I've got a German Shepherd. His name is Astro. Uh, I am a Houston Astros fan, but I named him Astro because I was a big fan of the Jetsons. You have dogs. What kind of dogs are they and what are their names? Yes, uh, we have a couple Australian Shepherds. Our first one, we uh, we named him Gordy. Named him after Gordy Howe. Perfect. He had just uh, he had recently just passed away, actually, when we when we got him. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple years later, it was time to get another one, and uh, we kind of had no choice. We named him Howie. I love it. I love. <laughs> Why Gordy Howe for you? You know, obviously, I didn't watch him growing up or anything like that, but just uh, read his book. You know, learned about him, watched uh, highlights on him. You know, he's Mr. Hockey. He was uh, beloved for many reasons, you know, his work ethic and, and what he did on the ice and then who he was as a person. I think uh, someone that uh, a lot of people looked up to. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't get a chance to meet him, but uh, that would have been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Do you ever look at those old school shots of like Gordy with the shirt off fishing and you say like, this guy didn't have like sophisticated gym technology and trainers and any of those things. <laughs> no, they did it the hard way, you know, and they, that's what they knew. You know, and they'd go home in the summer, and he played baseball at times and, yeah. you know, worked the farm or wherever it was, and that's how they got ready. How are you doing? Doing well. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, the recovery's been exactly the way I've wanted to go. Uh, we've been really good with it, and now camp's going to be the perfect chance for me to, you know, finish it off the right way. Because you know that there were times last year during the playoffs where, because of the way Lou Lamorello does things, people were expecting you to shoot out of the tunnel in a playoff game. <laughs> uh, we, we were pushing it in every way we could. You know, the guys were playing on the ice. I was doing my recovery, and we we went after it, you know, in the best way possible. So, but yeah, it was uh, we were we were close. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, was there ever a moment where you thought, you know what, I'm like a day or two away, I might be able to get out there? Uh, there were times. I mean, it's look at the end of the day, it wasn't the right decision, right? As much as I wanted it to be, as much as it, you know, was a thought and something I worked for uh, with the doctors and everything, uh, the timing was still too soon. But you can feel pretty good at that time. You can feel a lot better than you think. And at the same time, I'd have to jump into a, you know, yeah. a third round matchup, something where that speed's been going for quite a while. So after the season last year, I was out uh, with one of my buddies who's a big Canadians fan. And uh, I actually wasn't doing much arguing, but he was very upset at something I said. He said that, uh, he says, well, you know, the Canadians were the second best team in the NHL this year. And, you know, I will confess there were a couple of beers involved here. And I said, you know, actually, I, I think if I was to do like a power ranking, I, I probably have to put Montreal second because they ran out, were runners up. But I might put the Islanders second, like one nothing in game seven of that Tampa team. He was terribly offended he was he was very upset with this particular stance but you know the point i was trying to make to him is that i look at your team and to go seven games with tampa you weren't able to play i gotta think for all of you at the end of last year as much pride as you guys had as a group for everything you did that one must have hurt just because of how close you were and how good you guys were we have a special group uh, there's a lot that goes into to getting to that point. We'll never forget how that felt and how that feels. And when you get to that point of the year, the the margins between teams, the margins between games, uh, pretty tight. So, you know what we uh, we had some chances, and you know what we're we're coming back knowing what we're capable of, and with an opportunity to you know with a lot of work in between, but to to go back and and to go further. You are a miserable team to play against. Mm-hmm. Like that is a real, and that's a real compliment 
in the NHL, in any league, really. Players always say, oh, I hate playing the Islanders. Uh, and you, you guys must feel that. Like when you're frustrating another team, because you guys play a real tight game. Like are there moments where you're sitting on the bench and you just know like, okay, these guys are frustrated. We got them. When we go out and play the game that we want to play, I mean, you hear it all the time, right? But when our team plays to who we are, uh, you can get that feeling at times. We, you feel it on, on the other end at times as well. You know, that's that's what the other team's trying to do to you and trying to push you out of, away from your game. But when we stick to what we know best, we have a chance every night. And I think that's what makes us frustrating to play against. You know, this is an individual world now. I watch a lot of things that happen in our business and, 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 and elsewhere. Social media, what it's done is it's, I think it's made people more individual than team. The Islanders are more team than individual. I think you guys are, as a group, are very different in a lot of the way the world is going. How do you create an environment, even within the NHL, where it's team above individual and it's no BS with you guys? You can tell you all buy in. You're the captain. How do you help create that? I think it starts up top with Lou and Barry, down to us players. I mean, it's just... um We'd always been a close group, but I think we have come together in a way that really we get to come to the rink every day and work together on what we're doing. And it sounds cliche and all that stuff, but there's no one that is uh, more important than the other. And everyone has a role. Everyone has importance on our team. And we're not going anywhere without everybody. You know, like last year we had taxi squad guys like, you know, that's a tough year for them. Mm-hmm. But they're a part of it just as much as we are, and they have to come every day and be a professional, and that's not easy to do. It's a full team effort, really, and I think that's uh, I think it speaks volumes from the top down. Do you meet with Lamorello during the season? Yeah. How yeah. often? Whenever Lou asks, you, you go see Lou. Yeah, yeah. So give me an example. Like when would he say we got to talk? I mean, Lou's around all the time. You see him almost every day. He's around, so you catch up with him. But, you know, if there's times that he wants uh, something to be heard or said, then uh, he'll let you know, and it's always in the best way, and it's always for the intentions of making us better. Do you ever say, because I think he likes having control, but I think he also likes when people deal with him honestly. How long did it get comfortable for you to say, I don't know about this, or I don't know if I agree with this. You know, for whatever reason, I, I've always been comfortable around Lou. I think he makes he makes that environment, and so not afraid to really say anything. I, to be honest, there's not much to say most of the time. Uh, but uh, when there is, it needs to be said. It's all good. I think he creates that that atmosphere where you know we're all working towards the same thing and whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. If you look over your left shoulder right now, you'll see Jordan Eberle of the Seattle Kraken. Mm-hmm. What did uh, what did he mean to you guys? Ebs uh, is uh, one of the best. You know, a, a good friend and a, and a great teammate and, and uh, a line mate. And uh, he's a big time, big moment player. Uh, he scored some big goals for us in the playoffs the last few years. And that double OT, it's right? awesome. The puck is Anders Lee. He's got Eberle with him. Here's Lee. Eberle scores. And the New York Islanders have forced a sixth game in the Eastern Conference Final thanks to Jordan Eberle. It was great. You know what? That was uh, we were talking about that the other last night actually, and 
catching up and you know i'm i'm uh it's the tough part of our business but uh i'm excited for him to to excel in seattle and see what he's got to do and see what the team's gonna do and uh we're gonna miss him you know i wanted to ask you about your tweet we didn't get a chance to talk last year obviously i wanted to ask you about your tweet when you stayed in uh, new york and I, first of all i thought it was great secondly you were the one guy we couldn't figure out that year and we should have known it was because you were re-signing but how long did you have that one in your hip pocket and how much did you enjoy watching people trying to guess where you were going yeah no i had uh i obviously seen the movie years before but just kind of stuck with me a little bit and then as it kind of looked like it made more sense to do it it came to being a good tweet i'm not leaving i'm not leaving I'm not leaving. The show goes on. This is my home. They're going to need a wrecking ball to take me out of here. That whole scenario was, uh, we always knew what was the plan and what was going to happen. And uh, a lot of stories out there and, uh, I don't blame anyone for it. You got to try to figure it out, but there's only one option. How long did you have the tweet saved, ready to go? Uh, well, I had it ready to go, but it wasn't time to be uh, formally announced. And I think uh, there was uh, uh, it had gotten out a little bit or whatever. So then I yeah. I threw it up there. Who on your team do you think is the uh, the secret weapon, and is the answer Adam Pellick? <laughs> yeah, might be. He's not secret anymore. Well, that's, that's the, the thing. Problem. Last Please. year was a big one for him. Yeah. Like that that now name. We've all seen it. Pelly, uh, I think last year. I mean, he's he takes a step every year. But last year, I think he proved on a, and on on the big stage in front of a lot of people. Him and Pulak, him yeah. and Pools, how good those two are, and how shut down they can be. You know, I saw him up top for you know three months, and he it was special to watch him and the way he can defend create kind of minimize those gaps Mm -hmm. it's uh he's uh and he's also a cheeky little player he does a lot of little things that are like well that's that's high level skill uh from a shutdown d last one for me february beijing gold medal game overtime you're coming down you got the puck pelex the last man between you and the goalie what happens Well, we've seen it in practice quite a bit. <laughs> Hopefully there's a guy on the other side, you know, <laughs> some some outlet somewhere. I don't know. I mean, first of all, that'd be an incredible thing. But, um, yeah, Pelly is uh, he's one of the best to do it uh, right now in our game. This has been great. Success for you and the Islanders this year. Thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Pleased to be joined by Tim Stutzla of the Ottawa Senators, and I feel like I I owe our listeners the um, I feel like I have a responsibility to uh, let you start this interview. No, no, you because go. We'll get, off we'll air, and I want to get there for because it's a pretty interesting conversation. Before we get to all the hockey stuff, you and Elliot Tim were having a conversation about driving. <laughs> Before we started going, so I'm going to hand the recreation over to you. Well, first of all, what you should explain to all the listeners, uh, Tim and the viewers, is the living arrangements. So, who lives close to each other? Okay, Uh, so last year I lived with Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris, and it was a great time for sure. Um, Right now, Josh is living in the same apartment building I'm at, 
uh, like about four rooms next to me and Brady's living four minutes next to us so uh, it's easy drive and um, yeah we got to see each other a lot too at the rink as well but also off the ice so it's going to be kind of the same just we live not together anymore. So everybody understands that this means a carpool. So what I was asking Tim and I warned him I was going to ask was of the group who is the worst driver <laughs> and your answer was I have to say it's me in Canada that's for sure. Um I'm just not used to driving so slow. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's the biggest difference I would say. But um yeah, I think Josh and Brady they're already used to it. They should drive the car when we go to practice. Okay, so if you were to take Josh and Brady to Germany, okay? And they were to drive on your turf, who would be the worst driver? Josh lived in Germany when he was younger, so he's probably used to it a little bit more than Brady. So uh, I got to go with Brady there. <laughs> Last year was an interesting season for the Ottawa Senators. And by the end, this was a team that everybody knew, okay, this is a team that's that's done rebuilding. This is a, a tough hockey team to play. Going into this season, what's your mindset and what's the team's mindset? I think we had a lot of good talks uh, after the season with the whole team and uh, it's just that our young guys still have to step up. Uh, we got to step up a little bit more too this year uh, to be a playoff contender. Uh, we want to play for the playoffs and we are still really, really young. So we have a lot yeah. to do and a lot of work in front of us. So still, uh, just the young guys have to step up. I think the, the older guys were doing great, um, especially in the end. And um, that's all we got to do. And then we can be in the playoffs hopefully pretty soon. You know, it's got to be tough being a young player in the NHL, especially your first experience um, playing in the league. At what point did the game start to get comfortable for you? Because I would imagine the pace right away is overwhelming. Yeah, um, for me, uh, the only problem was I was kind of preparing for the German League, uh, playing two games a week. So uh, <laughs> I wasn't really like totally 100% ready for uh, playing every second day or playing back-to-back -back games. So, um, I mean, it's how you prepare your summer and how you build up your summer. So um, I felt like I got a little bit tired uh, during the end of the season. But still, I think uh, we have still a lot to do and still a lot to work on. Mm -hmm. And especially if we play so many games, uh, we just got to be better from the start of the season. That's our goal for next year. I'm wondering, like, you, only, you only got to play six other teams last year. Who is the player or team that you cannot wait to play this year to say, finally getting my chance to play against? I would say cannot is maybe a little bit difficult because... Uh, I got to say, really good player, and uh, it's going to be hard to play against those guys. So, um, I mean, I think Sidney Crosby, uh, Ovechkin, uh, McKinn, Kalmakar, like uh, all those guys, there are so many good players. Uh, I think I can't wait to play against, and um, but it's going to be really hard. So, uh, can't wait is maybe a little bit different, but yeah, it's going to be really excited to play them. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about how the young players still have to get better because, you know, we've heard that the centers as an organization talk about, you know, the rebuild is coming to an end and now it's the next time. And I understand why everybody there is so excited. You guys have a lot of really good players. And I get the sense that your organization is saying it wants to talk playoffs. Do the players talk playoffs? For us, it's definitely our goal. I mean, I think for every team, for every guy on our team, we want to win as many games as we can. So uh, everybody's work really, it's going to work really hard for that. Um, but in the end, um, like I said, I think we are really, really young still. 
But yeah, I think Pierre said in the media the other day um, that we are done with rebuilding. So um, if our team steps up, our young group steps up, I think we can be a really, really good team in the, like right now and in the future. I'm curious about your experience specifically. What did you think the NHL was going to be like? And what was it like? I'm still just a little kid, like just exploring everything and seeing everything and uh, meeting all the new guys, and, uh, new people uh, all around the league. So uh, it's been really excited for me, especially my first year. Um, but right now I just can't to, to see fans back in the building and yeah. uh, hopefully play in front of them. I mean, uh, that makes a huge difference. And um, I think that's what we all play for. And uh, you also play for the fans. So uh, that's going to be awesome, I think. What was it like playing against Leon Dreisaitl? It was definitely difficult. Uh, I mean, he's an unreal player. And uh, for German hockey, I think he have so, has done so much really, really good stuff. And yeah, he won the MVP of the league too. And I think that's getting Germany even better in hockey. And there are so many young kids, uh, same as me, looking up to him. And um, that's just awesome to see. How is he perceived in Germany in that like, there's a lot of great athletes in Germany, as we all know. Where does Leon Dreisaitl fit in? Um, I think he's going to fit in pretty high. Uh, we just got to get hockey more of a popular sport in Germany. Uh, that's what we want to do. And that's what all the young guys are working for, too, with the national team. Everybody's uh, really honored to play for the national team and is really excited to get there every time. So um, Leon, uh, I think he's doing a really good job with uh, doing that stuff with the media, too. And, um, yeah, there are a lot of great players, soccer players, tennis mm -hmm. players, uh, that's what he's going for uh, right now to go up high there with all the soccer players and all the big names in Germany. Tim, I'm curious, best and worst moments of your rookie season? Um, I think my best moment was uh, playing my first game. That was definitely a moment I will never forget. And when the kid threw the hats for the hat trick, uh, I think that was uh, definitely an unreal moment too. Hmm. I will never forget. And uh, my worst feeling was when I fell down in warm-up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody saw it and it was everywhere on social media too. So um, that was a moment. I got to bet that it was such a young team. It's pretty ruthless in that room. Eh? Like nobody gets away with anything without oh, everyone yeah. piling on them. It, right? is. it actually is. Uh, I mean, everybody saw it on the ice too. And then um, when we came back in the dressing room, everybody was dying laughing. <laughs> and um, so, but it's been pretty cool. Uh, it's been funny. Uh, we have a lot of really, really good guys. I mean, everybody yeah. is a good guy in the room too. So uh, we have a lot of fun together on and off the ice. That's the most important, I think. Are you thinking much about the Olympics? Uh, no, not for now, uh, to be honest with you. Um, my goal right now is starting training camp. Uh, that's what I want to focus on. And um, then I got to focus on the first game, uh, playing the first first couple of games. And uh, then we will see what's going to come. I mean, for me, it's always a big honor to play for the national team. And uh, for sure, it's somewhere in my head that uh, there will be at the Olympics. But right now, it's just the beginning for the season. Sure. So um, that's the most important right now. I am curious. I know you're right. Your primary concern is the NHL and playing with the Ottawa Senators. How important is international hockey to you? Because you talked about you know growing the game in, in Germany and having more of a maybe a, a, a worldview on where the sport is. How important is it for you personally? Yeah, for me, it's uh, really important. Like I said, I love playing for Germany. Uh, I love playing to see all the boys again, uh, play with them. Uh, we have a great group of guys there as well. So it's always great to see each other again after after a couple of games here, after the season. It sure. always depends, uh, playing the World Championship. 
there will be a lot of games this year uh, with 82 games in the NHL plus Olympics plus uh, World Championship maybe so um, right now the, the total focus is on, on the season gotcha we wish you all the best thanks so thanks much for taking lot. time thanks guys really appreciate it Okay, I really hope you like those interviews. Uh, thanks to Seth Jones, Anders Lee, and Tim Stutzla for stopping by the podcast. Taking us out, a solo band from Akron, Ohio, who you should probably see if they're playing a show near you. Wesley Bright and the Honeytones. Great name. The group has been dropping singles the last few years, and Wesley just dropped his debut EP, What I Want. Here's Wesley Bright and the Honeytones with their second single, Happiness, on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. some sad news to share this evening. Journalist and broadcasting pioneer Peter Silverman has passed away at the age of 90. Silverman came to City TV in 1981 as a reporter for City Pulse. Several years later, he began hosting Silverman Helps, a popular consumer segment that helped viewers solve issues. He relentlessly went to bat for people who had been ripped off, becoming a Toronto icon in the process. Silverman's work in journalism led him to fight for people with rare illnesses and also brought him to third world countries and war zones. He is survived by his wife, two children and three grandchildren. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is People will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.